9. Optimus, still sunken in memories, remained on the rooftop after Hylias had left him. Those two are impossible to understand. Hylias so proper and correct whereas Secundia, yes what about Secundia? He still remembered her words, so, you can ask him and he was almost sure that there had been a plea in her voice, or was he mistaken? Had he imagined it? What are they hiding? He asked himself. Thanks to her information Optimus Quirinless had grown faster and stronger than its competitors. The house wealth grew and its position among the other traders were stronger than ever. At least it looked like it. She had refused to accept any kind of reward. The information about Malasius had been correct and he had averted the competitor's monopoly, even then she refused to accept any compensation. Everything she heard and later passed on to him had been correct and it had helped them immensely. The last two years have been very good, he thought. Helios has still not found out about Secundia's secret activities, but it is only a matter of time. Nothing can be kept a secret in Rome. Or did he not care? Unthinkable, completely unthinkable. Gaius took the last steps up onto the roof and saw his brother standing near the northwest edge and look out over the city. A biting chill in the wind made him shiver. However it never seemed to bother his brother. Marcus was able to stand for long periods of time without moving, despite the cold. Gaius approached carefully not wanting to disturb him. Marcus, what do you do? You've been up here a long time now, he said gently. Most times he left his brother alone when he went up on the roof to think. Nothing special, admiring the view, Optimus lied. Gaius knew he was lying but said nothing. It was clear that something troubled him. When are we leaving Rome? Soon, it's just a few things I have to deal with first. Helios asked me to bring Secundier. Yes. I met him when I was on the way up. Nice guy, even though he belongs to the Equites. Those unsympathetic military families always tend to look down on us. When he had seen Marcus standing there alone on the rooftop Gaius, thought was that his brother should get a new wife. Why not Helios' sister Secundia, she would be perfect for him. The wind increased, and he folded his arms across his chest to prevent the chill from blowing right through the tunic. Yes, Optimus said absently. Gaius waited. Then said. I heard that Marius Scopius is wondering when the bathhouse and the square with the fountain will be completed. He tries to find something to fill his newsletters with. I'll talk to him later. To give back to the citizens is important for us Optimus, that's a given. And he knows that, but he might want a statement. Then someone always complain if we do not keep our promises. His eyebrows went up in mock surprise. Have you eaten breakfast? No not yet. Then I think it's better to go down and do that. Sophlokos is waiting for you down there. That's why I came up. Then he will eat with us. The table was set with black and green olives, warm bread, 
dried meat and cold water in a beautiful glass jug. The jug was made of thin, light green glass and its surface glistened of mist. A fire burned and its crackled sound filled the room. Gaius was happy to get down from the roof and into the warmth. Optimus picked up an olive and stuffed it into his mouth. Gaius tore off a piece of bread and Sophlokos poured himself a cup of water. He raised it, drank the water and exclaimed. For continued success of the festival and another successful year. Ah, so you appreciate a little Roman barbarism? Optimus smiled. Sure, barbarism, but with the utmost style. The best of wine and food, so good that ordinary men for a moment forgot their women. Top class. Gaius said between mouthfuls. When. Optimus. Entertains. Only the best. Is good enough. That I agree with. Just look at this jug. Sophlokos snapped with his finger on the edge of the glass and a light tone filled the room. I tell you. We are not only buying wine in Sorrentum. We also work with a new method to make glass down there. Want to order? I think they will sell very well in Thessaloniki and Athens. Three denarius apiece. God's blood. At least five and three quarters. At the most, three and a half. You do not understand the value, my friend, it would be to give them away. Five and a half. I give you four and order two thousand. If you bring back olive oil at a cost of one and a quarter for each amphora. Impossible. From where did you get that price? All three were now engaged in the process of hard negotiations. They were so busy that, for a moment, they forgot about time and breakfast. Also, I want to buy your stock of spears, swords and shields, Optimus said just in passing. Sophlokos became silent and his eyes narrowed to thin slits, thoughts swirling around in his head. War, it will be another war? Should I buy weapons? Or? My informants say that several senators, including Gobelus, wants to stop the free trade law. Will they really vote to stop the law? Ducks know something I do not? Of course he do, otherwise he would not be ducks. Marcus and Gaius waited, familiar with negotiation tactics. Do you think there will be another war? If so, where? Sophlokos asked. No, I do not believe that. Emperor Trajan has been out on his campaign for seven years now. He wants to go home, he does not want to spend more time outside Rome, Gaius said convincingly. Okay, but then I want jugs at the price of three and three quarters. Two and a half thousand. They resumed negotiations, all three loved the game and the challenge. At the same time, Sophlokos' brain worked at light speed to find a solution. How could he buy more weapons without any of the other traders became aware of it? A Macedonian delegation will arrive in Rome around time the emperor returns. This time we are going to negotiate the best agreements, wait and see. 
then Optimus Quirinless have to ask us for help for a change, so Flocker's enthusiasm was clearly visible. Ha, as long as I live, you will be dependent on the house of Optimus Quirinless if you want to do business with Rome and the legions. Optimus' voice suddenly changed, it turned harder. You can get one piece of advice at no cost at all. In the future it will be more difficult for some that do business with Rome. Why? I tell you. If a trader insists on selling women into brothels, I will oppose them. Scum can be found anywhere. Even here in Rome, Sophlokos said equally unyielding. Prostitution will be your grave, remember my words, Optimus' voice was now hard as granite. Longvinius has a strong opinion on this particular issue, Gaius filled in. Yes, I know, Sophlokos thought. With bitterness he remembered how many times he had shouted at Burroughs that the attitude in Rome had changed, but his partner had stubbornly refused to listen, because he was the owner of several brothels in Athens. If this ruins our chances of improving our relations in Rome, I will get rid of him, he thought. Sophlokos wanted to defend himself. So Optimus Quirinless have never dealt with brothels? Optimus looked at the Macedonian with cold eyes, he spoke between clenched teeth. Never. If I find someone who does, I will do what I can to stop it, and I really mean, everything I can. Gaius looked down at the table. Ducks, help us, Sophlokos pleaded. Help us to get better deals for your trading with the provinces. Anything will help but weapons would be preferable. Everyone knows that I have done more than anyone else in Rome. So your appeal is misdirected, my friend. You must convince Longvinius, not me. Optimus was firm but friendly. There were many reasons for Optimus to hate the brothels. The thought of Julius's mother or Arsino falling into the clutches of brothel owners made him see red. Every time he got that picture in his head the skin rose and he became sick. He was sure that Arsinoe, because of her beauty, would have been bought by a brothel owner, if he had not found her in time. But what most led Optimus to the decision to do everything in his power to stop this activity was his brother. Gaius had been lost in the darkness the brothels offered. In the beginning there had only been occasional visits but it was not long before Gaius only lived for that shadow world. The combination of opium and sex made visitors dependent in more than one way. Gaius had been a wreck before his wife Claudia had told him and asked for help to rescue the family. The downward spiral had begun at the time Gaius was challenged to the duel against the brute Furious. Or, was it at the brothel he had met Furious and got into trouble with him? Optimus did not remember the details anymore. Many of the brothels were horrific places where disease and madness spread like fleas on a dog. Walking to the duel Optimus had realized that the incident would change his brother, he had seen the fear in Gaius' eyes before leaving his domus. Before Optimus killed Furious he had thanked him for saving Gaius. 
At that time, the self-confident man had just produced a rough cackling, totally unknowing of what he had meant. No words had since been necessary, Gaius had never sat his foot in a brothel again, but the relationship between Gaius and Claudia were damaged, maybe forever. Optimus could every morning immediately see on his brother's face, how the morning with his wife had been. If it affects our business, I cut the bond between us directly. If he misbehaves because of anything that has to do with this, I send him down in one of those dark dungeons again, he thought with a bitter taste in the mouth. I'll do what I can when the Emperor returns. Apart from the trafficking of women, I can not promise you anything more. How long are you staying in Rome? I have not decided, we have not decided, he corrected himself. He was still partner with Beruz. Suddenly loud noises emerged from vestibulo, a darker voice and lighter chatter resembling an angry little monkey, could be heard, the sound got closer. Seneca appeared in the doorway. Despite the thin, short and graceful body, he had a dark, impressive voice. Perfect for the theatre. Behind the poet Optimus saw his family slave since childhood. Her voice was an incessant chatter, like the clatter of horses' hooves at a military parade. She spoke her native language, a form of distant Celtic from Britannia, that no one understood. Ninian. Stop your jabbering, you do know Latin, so speak it. She stopped mid-sentence and stood with her mouth open. Ninian meant unknown in Celtic and was the word she had repeated when Optimus' family had bought her. As they initially were unable to communicate, they had thought it was easiest to call her just so. She was short and thick, had forearms as thick as her lower legs and a face hard to describe. Optimus thought that if he would be compelled to provide a description of it, he would only say it was ugly, so simple for something so complicated, ugly. Ducks, my friend, ducks, Seneca began. Aha, Optimus thought, he wants money. Look at this. He held up a long scroll that stretched all the way down to his feet. Fully scribbled with text. This is a masterpiece. Everyone in Rome must see it. Or at least read it. The first day and night of the festival, he he, if I say so, gave me new insights into some people's bodily pleasure. It is an inspirational time we are living in. Seneca chuckled with his deep voice. What are you saying? Optimus asked. You see, the text I have in my hand is worth more than a contract with the Emperor Trajan himself. The night has been really revelatory, he he. A certain lady with close contacts to this group, told me more than I deserve and could have imagined. When reality is better than fiction, it becomes a bit boring for us poets. Right? Anyone want to buy this masterpiece? Seneca waving the papyrus scroll in front of them. Secundia has now whipped her last customer, was the first thought Optimus had. Then he began to calm down and thought about alternatives. Who? Who does he mean? Gaius' head was spinning with curiosity. 
Soflocos froze? All the gods. What has Levida done? The woman should be locked up. Maras has never been able to control her. One day she will destroy everything we have, during the years, build up here in Rome. He understood that she easily could get into trouble, because she was one of the most beautiful women he had ever seen. Her face was perfect, big brown eyes, a thin, small, pointed nose and a mouth with lips that make men lose their ability to speak. Oh, what a body, the breasts. I wish I were twenty years younger. Well? What about it? Someone willing to bid? Yes, yes, but who are you referring to? Good try, but no. You will read it here, in my masterpiece. Seneca tapped his finger on the scroll. She is obviously not mentioned by name, then it would be too easy. But the one who is perceptive to his surrounding will easily understand. Maybe I'll put it up as a play at one of the theaters. After the first performance, everybody are going to kill to see it. That's blackmail my good Seneca, not at all good for your health. A man has to earn a living in the way he knows best. I hope it is Malasius' daughter you are referring to, sell it to him. What? That uncultured animal, he would not understand a masterpiece if he played in it himself. The man is a barbarian, a Roman barbarian. Lucius Seneca how many plays have I helped you with? Tell me Lucius, tell me, Optimus said and took a sip of water. He smiled behind the cup so Seneca would not see his amused expression. I will set it up myself, God's blood I will. At the moment I have not decided who of the actresses will play the main role in this social spectacle. Let's see now. Who would pay the actors? Pay rent for the stage? All stagehands? Me of course. All will believe in this masterpiece potential and they will be paid as part of the ticket sales. Yes, that's it. Seneca smiled inwardly, now knew he would get paid. The question was just how much? He was just opening his mouth to continue when he was interrupted. Let's say hundred denarius, Optimus dried. Are you insane? The gods will laugh and cry when they see this master. Yes, yes, let's say two hundred. Five hundred. Two hundred and fifty, that's my final offer. Soflocos, you have a good heart. Five hundred. Together with Ducks and Gaius, I have invested more money than anyone from Macedonia in your projects. This time I pass. Ha! You do not know what. You get no money from me this time. By Jupiter's beard, a maestro like me should not have to beg on his knees, not crawl in the dirt. How can I then do my utmost to entertain the people of Rome? 300. Please stop talking Lucius, my head is hurting. You're a giant ducks, incomparable ducks. Let Fortuna shine on you forever, let Pantheon gods worship your generosity, let. I said stop talking. Lucius. May the gods protect you ducks.
The show will be magnificent. The lady in question. Gaius grabbed the exalted poet and led him towards the exit. My play will be performed on Theatrim Pompey. Remember that. Optimus heard him shout in the vestibulum. The huge stone and marble theatre was built by General Nuus Pompey the Great and was ever since the largest in Rome. Six generations of Romans had been able to enjoy the best shows in the city. Sophocles had stopped listening, he felt pretty sure that it was Lividia that Seneca was referring to. Who else? None of the other women he knew in Rome would even think about exposing themselves to the risk of telling something intimate to Seneca. It must have been Lividia. Burroughs will be mad with rage if it becomes public. I really hope that the play never seen the light of the day. Otherwise, it is possible to arrange. Fires occur all the time in Rome. Lividia had been sent to Rome by her father, Burroughs' brother to spend time with the daughters and wives of the Roman traders. If she was lucky she might even be called to the emperor's court. Contacts was of utmost importance, they could be the difference between success and disaster. The higher up in the Roman society, the better. If you want to sell something in the world's largest city, where more than a million people lived and died, you need exclusive and reliable contacts. Lividia had been lucky, she had been under the patronage of Optimus. Oh please Fortuna, protect us from Lividia's stupidity, she could destroy everything we have built up. Many doors would be closed if she embarrassed us. Everyone knows that the good Seneca has talked about an angel that he visits as often as he can. I do hope this angel is not my partner's niece or that she has anything to do with it. The rumors he refers to can they be a trick? They sat in silence for a while after Seneca's voice no longer could be heard. Do you think Seneca is trying to fool us? Sophocles asked Optimus. Optimus studied his Macedonian friend with amusement and said. One thing is certain. Seneca always lie, but never when it comes to his writing. May the gods help us. Ah, so you think it's Lividia. An interesting thought. From some acquaintances, I have heard that she is a bit wild. Many will try to find out who is the source of Seneca's new scandal. Mark my words a scandal it will be, even if he will paint the play in finest poetry. The sound of feet that was quickly approaching was clearly heard in the corridor outside. A man came in and he was covered in grey dust. Sweat glistened on his forehead and dark and light stripes were outlined in his face. He swayed when he stood in the doorway, it was clear that he was exhausted. Deep furrows in his face testified to his many years in the legions. He stood with his back straight, in a tight position. A short greeting followed. He is probably an old centurion, Sophocles thought. Optimus. How are you Elpius? Welcome back. Earlier than planned, I see. Do you have my son with you? They're still on the road, they have a few days left before reaching the city. I rode in ahead. His eyes moved back and forth between Optimus and Sophocles. 
Well, you have to tell me about the trip. I have important messages for you, ducks. In private. Sofloko's brain was working at full speed to understand. It is something that Optimus knows, and the rest of us do not. Important information no doubt, but what? It must be a new war. What else? War means big problems and dangers, however at the same time a potential for huge profits. A wave of pain swept up from his stomach and a lump stuck in his throat. He realized that they would have to venture out into unknown lands and take big risks. Let's get Gaius. Optimus turned to Sophlokos. Excuse me, it looks like I have work to do.